Well, we're all very well aware of what time of year it is. New Year's Eve. Tomorrow ushers in 2024. Amazing. And when we come to this time of year, of course, a lot of thoughts run through our mind. I want to capture a couple of those. I want to share a thought with you. I'm simply going to entitle, Let's Make a Life. You got an opportunity starting tomorrow of a brand new season. Now, we know God isn't held to our calendar, but we're very human. We're used to schedules. We're used to resets. So what is 2024 going to offer? Well, for many of us, we've grown up with television, and there was a particular game show that we're familiar with. Let's make a deal. And with let's make a deal, typically you would have three choices. You could look at door number one, two or three, curtain number one, two or three. How many remembers this show? Of course, for us who are older, we remember Monty Hall, the great host, and today, Wayne Brady. And we get, I don't know about you, I've always loved game shows. And you just get caught up in it. I love watching people win. But this thought that we have here is the way many of us will choose to live out our life. In other words, a life of randomness, a life of chance, a life of choice. We find ourselves just, well, you know, whatever happens, I guess I'll try this, I guess I'll try that, instead of having a solid, prayerful plan. So on that game show, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the host would just say, you know, I'm offering you this, but you could have what's behind door number one or two or three, or behind this box. How many are with me that most people really get greedy about this time? And the bird in hand is not as good as two that might be in that bush. So anyhow, if this was my life and I'm making a life, let's see, I think I'm feeling good about number one. I'll choose number one. It offers me a year. Now, obviously, I don't know what is going to happen no more than you do and what's going to happen in 2024. In 2024, you may have some great, great highs. There might be somebody else becoming a grandparent. Woohoo! What a great prize. Your preaching changes over the years, Daryl. <laughs> Then again, this could be the year that Jesus comes after his church. The rapture could happen in 2024. Is it random? Not on his end of the deal, but we don't know. 2024 may offer promotion to you. It may offer distress of nations that causes economic collapse. We don't know what's behind this curtain called 2024. So when it comes into this time of year, 
most of us will at least entertain a thought called what? A New Year's resolution. How many already have yours planned? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. You've got Well, here are the statistics of New Year's resolutions. 9% of those will be successful. 23% of those resolutions won't make it through the first week. 43% of them won't make it to the end of January. 9% will be successful. Now, I don't want you to take me wrong. I'm not against resolutions. Actually, I'm for them. If you feel like there is a needed change in your life, then go after it. But the real secret is, do you have a plan to fulfill that, or will it just be random? I mean, don't all of us that struggle with weight, don't we just wish somebody would come up with a pill, and you pop it, and boom, you're 50 pounds lighter? How many of you ready to line up in that line? It doesn't work that way, does it? So what is behind this curtain number one, 2024? The reason that most resolutions fail is because they're not specific enough. That they are uh, unrealistic goals. That they are... Uh, haven't remained focused. That's why it fades with time. Another reason is, is because there's no accountability. Those are the major reasons why resolutions aren't successful. I came across another quote. My wife for my Christmas present last year gave me a calendar and every day had a snarky comment on it. Can you imagine her giving me a gift like that? Uh, so right at the end of the year, I, I think most of us would appreciate this when it says, I am a person who wants to do a lot of things, but I'm trapped in a body that wants to sleep a lot. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Hebrews 11, I want to pick up at verse 4. Three individuals stand out. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him up. Now, before he uh, was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. What a great statement. Verse 6, we know this verse well. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him or diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Just before you see, to turn to a couple people and say, this is going to talk to me today.
Many times I've preached a thought that isn't original with me. I love to continue quoting it. And it speaks about the importance of a life. Let's make a life. And are we going to live a life with purpose that's intentional? Or are we going to just live a life of randomness, of chance? We find ourselves living those random days many times, just whatever happens. When we have a goal even for a day and yet something comes against it, we too quickly surrender it, our goal. We don't stay with the task. So again, are we living a life with intention, living a life with a plan? Or again, are we just living, quote, the reactionary lifestyle? Whatever happens today, okay, sarah, sarah, it'll happen. The Word of God instructs us to be intentional, a grace life word that we've embraced. These three individuals stand out to us, and they're recorded in God's eternal Word as a result. We will never forget their names. The Word of God won't allow that. Human beings, just as human and natural as any of us, and yet did specific intentional things that caused them to be successful, to be blessed, to receive their promise. Abel presented his best. And if I just was going to camp out here, and talk about the two brothers. I would tell you Cain was the first one before able to give a gift to God. According to the word of God, he's the first human ever to give God a gift. That's pretty incredible. And when you look closely, you realize God never rebuked Cain. He took it personal. It was the gift that he was presenting. I'm convinced what God was saying to Cain is, you can do better than this. And I wonder how many of us would say, boy, I fall in that category of not always giving my best to God. You have a second individual, Enoch. His walk pleased God. I love that statement, that he walked in a way that pleased God. And then, of course, you have Noah who took God at his word. No matter what happened and how long it took it to be accomplished, he took God at his word. I wonder how many of us today, if we heard directly from God today, I want you to build a boat. And it's going to take you 100 years to build it. I wonder how many of us would say, okay. All Noah heard was, I want you to save your household. I'm going to use you. And he gave him instruction can you imagine how many days he didn't want to go to work? You ever have those days? Are you still with me? So this intentional versus just reactionary concept of life. So here's what I want to throw to us. These individuals are described as seeking God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know this verse and that God rewards those who seek him. So now I'm going to ask you, if someone comes to you next week and they say, what's your goal this year? What was your New Year's resolution? And your statement to them would be, I'm going to seek God. Would that sound too general? Would it sound not specific enough? 
Would it sound like you could lose your focus because isn't it just a little general to say, I want to seek God? Here's the challenge. Again, these individuals are rewarded because they did just that. They would seek God. They would seek God in the way they walked. They would seek God in the way that they listened to his voice and responded. They would seek God and return, God, this is what I can offer today. It may not be as much as I did other times, but today it's my best. I think if we take that attitude, immediately it begins to become reasonable that, yeah, that, that describes me. Some days I feel like I'm on top of the world, and other days I feel like I, no one cares for me. Sometimes I feel like I have more things to my accessibility, and other times I don't have near what I once had. It's a, a lean season, and yet it comes back, but am I giving God my best at this time? Man, that'll preach. Because if you're like me, if you're as human as I am, at times we say, well, it doesn't compare to what I've done, so I'm not going to try. In other words, I feel like I'm not giving enough. No, the question again is to myself, but what do I have and what's the best that I have? This is what I want to give to God. So to diligently seek God, it's a quest. It's a pursuit. It's a journey. And in that, once again, we've got to ask ourselves, if someone comes to me in the next month and says, what's your New Year's resolution? What are you going to do in 2024? I'm going to seek God. Does that make me sound weird? Or in today's vernacular, does that make me look fat? Will they understand what I'm saying? Will it put a notice with me is, okay, we'll see, we'll see how you do with that. We'll see how your walk is. This quest, does it mean now that to seek God diligently means I'm going to be a recluse? Does it mean that I'm going to have to go in seclusion? Is it just reserved for those who have broken health? How many times, how many times, only God knows, that I've been at the bedside of someone very sick, not knowing yet how it's going to turn out? Pastor, if the Lord gives me more time, I'm going to start doing this. If God will heal me, I'm going to get back to this. If I'll get through that, how many times have I heard those intentions? Again, I'm not making fun of them. It's, it's in that moment of clarity. It's in that moment of perspective. What's the most important thing to me is my relationship with God. As successful as we may be in business, as successful as we are in making a life, God has to be center, and we know that. But to live it out is the challenge. In short, it has to be a lifestyle doesn't it? A lifestyle that, that walks in the paths of righteousness. Jesus taught us himself, we know it in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will be rewarded and see God. 
William, I don't think that's only speaking of one day when I leave this world, when my appointment comes, that I get to see God. How many wants to see God in your life in 2024? Yeah. Sometimes we see God in our daily devotion. And it's, how many of you had those experiences where you're reading God's word just because that's what you've decided to do? And some days you go through the exercise and you go on with life and you don't think much and even quizzing yourself later in the day, what did I read this morning? How many of you have had those days where I can't remember? That's all of us. And yet it's an amazing that somewhere down the road it'll come to remembrance when it needs to. But how many of us would also say, but there have also been those times I went to God's word Man, that is talking to me right now. You know what just happened? The pure in heart would see God through his word. Have you had someone praying with you? And as they begin to pray for you, either over the phone or in an altar, or maybe you're visiting them and you just pray one for another, and all of a sudden they start praying a word of knowledge over you, and you're like, I didn't tell him that. You know what just happened? The pure in heart would see God. In other words, there is something to this thing called a lifestyle. This life that he, he offers us. This life of intention. I'm going to draw your attention to another passage. You can read it later. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Picking up verse 11. I love this. And it tells us that everything is beautiful in its time. And then it tells us that God puts eternity in every one of our hearts. Alan, he's put eternity in your hearts. That's why it speaks to you from time to time. When you're starting to make a choice, you're like, oh, that's not good. I, he's watching me. He's got something better for me. That's that eternity in your heart calling on you. And then it tells us that we are to do good things, and have joy in our life, that is the will of God. That's what the Word of God says. And it tells us, listen, some of you are really ready to hear a word from the Lord. The Word of the Lord says, eat and drink and enjoy the pursuits of life. How many of you are ready to do that in 2024? How many of you plan on eating in 2024? The last part of that verse says, for this is God's gift to us. Wow, that just got real. That God gave me that taco. God was at the pizza party. God was in that Brunswick stew. Man, he was really in that Brunswick stew. That was good. No, let's, let's, let's work. Let's make a life. That life that God's giving includes daily routine to eat, to drink, and to enjoy the pursuits of our hands, to enjoy what we do, to enjoy life. You see, again, it doesn't make you weird. You're realizing in this, me seeking God is just that. It is an intention that I'm going to make it a focus that even in the mundane, the routine of life, God is still involved in that. 
How many of us pray before we eat? Do you know why we do that? <laughs> because some of us have been on missionary trips and we have no idea what's put in front of us. God, bless this. <laughs> Just a thought. Christy, my niece, her brother, my nephew, he decided years ago he wasn't going to pray over meals at the table. He prayed while he was in the grocery store. God bless this. As later we'll eat it. It is this whole thing of, wow, if I diligently seek God, he gets involved in everything. It's making a life for me. Walking in the paths of righteousness. I wonder how many of us would say, I really would love to hear God's voice speak to me and put your name in the blank. I'm pleased with your walk with me. Amy, wouldn't you love to hear God say that to you? Just that, that soft voice on a Tuesday afternoon. I, I enjoy, you please me. There are those moments in spirit that he will do that. The pure in heart will see God. They'll hear God. They'll notice God, not just in a sanctuary on a Sunday. It's a lifestyle. The real secret comes in, if you miss anything else I'm sharing, the secret is doing it daily. The Word of God instructs us several times that we are to Trust God for our daily bread. We're instructed. Uh, there was a group, we find them in Acts, known as the Bereans. They would study God's word. The Bible actually spoke more of them and said they are more noble than those in Thessalonica because they read God's word daily. Fall in that category with Noah, hearing God's voice. This daily pursuit includes take up your cross daily. So again, it's this intention of seeking God. It is also now the routine of I'm going to make it daily. Some of us, by nature, are chart makers. So make your chart. Some of us use digital technologies now. Put an alarm on your phone five times a day. I've done this for myself to remind me it's time to pray. It's time to read scripture. It's time to make a phone call. It's time to do something. Just those reminders, it's daily. I'm seeking God daily. For those of you who's been serving the Lord a long time, encourage somebody that's just getting started. Tell them your story. Tell them, yeah, I know what it is to pray and don't believe that God heard my voice today because he didn't just show up in my room. I didn't hear a siren. I didn't see fireworks. But he is listening. He does care. This daily pursuit. We know the old Chinese proverb is, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. This is why, again, so many resolutions fail because they don't remain focused. But I'll conclude with this. Not only must we have the intention to diligently seek and know it needs to be a daily pursuit, it's also don't settle for less than God. Wow, what a statement. 
How many times do we settle for the imitation? How many times do we settle for the knockoff? How many times do we settle for that which was not the design, but we got tired, we got weary, we got greedy, we got anxious. You can fill it in. We settled for less. But oh my, isn't he still the pearl of great price? Isn't he worth the pursuit? Isn't he worth the wait? Isn't he worth the confusion, the struggle that I go through and wondering why he's not showing up sooner? Isn't he worth the wait? Sure he is. This settling for less. I'm even going to put something out there and you, you may get scared from me saying it. Don't settle for the lesser good. Don't settle for just an angel, a miracle. It is him that we pursue. Let that sink in. I love the, the if stand with me, please. I love the picture that we find in what we call the triumphal entry of Jesus. Today we celebrate it in the Easter season. We talk about him coming into the city the week earlier before his crucifixion. All the celebration. It is a feast, a feast of Passover. Everybody's there. It's hustling, it's bustling, it's busy. But there's a group of Gentiles. The Bible picks them out of the crowd of all these Jews. And this is the statement. They go to Andrew. They go to Philip. This is what they say. We would see Jesus. What a statement. 